Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. What a way to get into a championship Sunday edition of TC Live as we hand out trophies at the National Bank Open in Toronto and Montreal presented all week long by the Walt Disney World Resort 50th anniversary celebration. Here's what we got coming up over the next 30 minutes. Just two weeks from the U.S. Open, Simona Halep, Hubie Hercotch, Coco Golf, and more looking to gain momentum into the year's final major. Plus, a couple goats getting ready to take the court in Cincinnati. We'll break down the draw for Serena Williams and Rafa Nadal. And it is the highly anticipated, often imitated, and never duplicated best of the best from the week up north. Shots, you've got to see to believe. With that, we welcome you into our studios in Santa Monica, California. Steve Weissman back alongside CeCe Bellis. We've got the Hall of Famer Andy Roddick over on the big screen. Championship Sunday. Roddick, no hat today. <laughs> what's, what's going on? Got pay my respects, Steve. You dark room. Hair looks lit. Don't be jealous. <laughs> All right. How about Coco Goff, CC? 18 years old. Now the number one doubles player in the world after that win we just saw. That's incredible. I mean, for her to be doing so well in singles and doubles is, is really unheard of in today's game. And I think her doubles play is really transferring over to her singles. So unbelievable accomplishment. And teaming up, Andy, with Jesse Pagula, who's now the number one ranked American in singles in the top 10 and now in the top 10 in doubles as well. What did you make of that match? Well, let's credit professionalism first and foremost, right? I think they would both tell you that they have their kind of eyes set on maybe breaking through and winning a Grand Slam singles title. Maybe didn't go the exact way that they wanted. Jess had a good week. Coco had some tough matches and then lost a tough one uh, to Halep. But credit for staying the course, turning the doubles tournament into hu a human ATM machine and seeing it through. And well done for Coco Goff uh, to, to do it. And being number one in the world in doubles isn't something that normally comes at such a young age. There's, there's some nuance to it. You find the right partner. There are a bunch of different factors than just being really good yourself. So credit to Gogo Golf. I, I listen. We we don't we, we criticize her game sometimes. We analyze it right because we expect so much from her, and she burst onto this scene so early. But for her to have this accomplishment, credit where credit's due. She's an uber professional always comes with a smile on our face, is articulate, stands for stuff outside of the game. So credit to her and Jess Pagula. I love that moment at the end when they got to hug each other and, uh, and celebrate their successes. That was awesome. CeCe, we've seen players like Serena, like Lindsay Davenport, like Kim Kleisters, Martina going back as well, that have been number one in the world in both singles and doubles. How sustainable is it now for Coco to do that? You know, I think she's able to do it now because she is so young. She's only 18. She has the legs to do it. I remember Andy saying the other night it's going to be tough for her. She's going to have to start making decisions whether to play singles and doubles or just singles in some of the big tournaments especially. I think she can do it for a little longer. Like I said, she's so young. She definitely has the body and legs to do it. So we'll see. I think she's got another couple of years for, for playing both for her.
All right. Well, congratulations once again to Jess Pagula and Coco Goff winning that doubles title in Toronto and Coco getting to number one in the world in doubles. How about the singles final earlier today in Toronto? Simona Halep, fourth final in Canada, taking on Beatrice Haddad Maya. Having the week of her life, CC first Brazilian to reach a WTA 1000 final, and she started quickly, but then Halep came back. Yeah, this was such an honor to be able to call this match. Beatrice, like you said, started so strong, was really firing on all cylinders, but oh my gosh, did Halep come back playing points like that? It was just the way she got that first, third, first set, excuse me. And in the second, Beatrice came out and really started playing like she has all week. She's been so aggressive, but actually she plays pretty safe. Her forehand's got a lot of spin on it. I've been really impressed with kind of her controlled aggression all week. That was the way how she won that second set. Just so much aggression, too much for Halep to handle, but Halep really came back in this third and was so solid just playing kind of the exact tennis we thought Halep would play in this match. Came out and was just a little too strong, too solid for Beatrice in the end. What a moment for her to finally get that breakthrough that she needed this year. She's gotten to semis, finals, but really she needed this one to get back to the top of the game. Yeah, it gets her back inside the top ten at number six in the world. Heck of a week. Third title in Canada for Simona Halep, a place she absolutely enjoys playing. Canada is a special uh, place for me. I've won in uh, Montreal two times, but here never. So uh, today is a special day, and uh, I wanted actually... I fought really hard because uh, I wanted to win in front of you guys. Uh, many Romanians, many Romanians flags, uh, all the Canadians, all the Brazilians. Thank you for coming and for supporting us today. It was a great atmosphere. It's a cool looking trophy. It's like a solar, like a planet. It's got, got astronomy vibes to it. Uh, match summary presented by the Walt Disney World Resort 50th anniversary celebration. Uh, wins the title on even years, does Simona Halep. 24th career title, ninth at the WTA 1000 level and gets up to number six in the world. Of course, seating at stake on the line as we head into New York and the U.S. Open Cincinnati before that. Uh, Andy Roddick, what stood out to you about Simona Halep's performance today? Well, one problem solving, and uh, honestly, going into this week, I didn't know she was uh, uh, amongst the match uh, win leaders for the entire year. I knew that she had been playing consistently, but we had talked about earlier in the week, Steve, she hadn't had that breakout tournament where she had taken a, a, you know, a solid quarterfinal appearance, maybe a semifinal appearance into a win. And this week, you just couldn't go through her through the middle of the court. You saw uh, Haddad Maya taking huge cuts there in the third set, and Halep was able to just firm him up. Same with Karina Busta uh, in the final, what we've been seeing him do all week long but she's such a great problem solver she was able to go line a little bit more than i've seen her do uh earlier in the year was attacking lines early in rallies not letting her opponents get set which causes uh their opponents not to be as aggressive which is something that simona halep likes so uh credit to her she's been one of the greatest uh, of her generation and i'm happy to see her back in the winner's circle yeah certainly a future hall of famer more wta 1000 wins than anyone in history cc how does this affect how you view simona halep in terms of her chances of winning the u.s open in a couple weeks yeah she, she's up there for one of my favorites i think you know kind of getting this breakthrough of another thousand win that she hasn't had since 2020 i think is, is huge for her and huge for the confidence we saw her struggle a little bit with confidence and closing out matches especially on the serve this week but in this match she really broke through and i think that's going to be a huge kind of 
turning point for her year, for sure. And, and a turning point for Bia as well. Beatrice Haddad Maya now into the top 20 for the first time, up to 16 in the world. Great tournament for both of those players. How about the men over in Montreal? This funnel wrapping up just a little bit ago. Hubie Hercotch is trying to stay perfect in ATP finals. 5-0, and oh, Andy, coming in, playing Pablo Carina Busta, going for his seventh career trophy. Yeah, and he played. He dispensed this one early in the match. Was trying to make sure that Karina Busa couldn't get too settled behind the court, mixing in that dropper. You see that turn on that serve, Steve. That crossed both sidelines and hit the scoreboard. A great spot serving from Hercot. But like Karina Busa tends to do, it's his feet in early in the second set forces Hercot into three forehand errors. A bit of a sloppy game. Serves it out. Hercot is coming off of two dominant performances uh, in third sets. This might have been the point that was the most discouraging for Hercot all day. Right here, thinks he might get a lead and have to make Karina Busa serve. This might be the shot of the tournament. I know it's not flashy and you don't get to celebrate afterwards, but to put Hercot back on defense right there with that over-the-top lob, that was just ridiculous. And at this point, you just felt the energy was overwhelmingly against Hercot. You see him looking at his coach. Those little side glances tell you so much. And credit to Karina Busta for never being in this situation before. Sticking that return, well-deserved for someone who's been a professional, has always played respectfully with their opponents, and is a hard worker. Prop to PCB. Love to see this reaction. Well-earned. <laughs> First unseeded champion at the National Bank Open in 20 years and first got ranked outside the top 20 to win since 2001. Pablo Carina Busta, your champion in Montreal. Andy called that the shot of the tournament. CeCe, what did you think of it? I thought it was insane. Earlier, I think I told you it was the best shot I've ever seen. I think point overall, the way he got back into that point off of a great lob from her catch and then the finishing back and overhead was just incredible. Best shot you've ever, best point you've ever seen. I don't know if that's an exaggeration or not, Steve, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely up there. It's, it's top ten. The instant analysis. We were in the green room, Andy, and CC's like screaming, like, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. It, it was pretty special from Pablo Carina Busta. How does he do this, Andy, go from, you know, being ranked outside the top 20 to winning this Masters 1000 event? Listen, that's the, the beautiful thing about tennis is there's no script. It's the ultimate reality show, right? You come in thinking you have a shot and you work your way into the tournament, but specifically to that shot that 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 CC rightfully said was just insane. Uh, could the, the score context matters, right? You're, imagine you're up a break serving for uh, a title or three holds away from a title, which is above your pay grade, right? It's something you've never done before. And we all know we don't like to serve from behind, right? You get a little nervous. Love 15, very different than 15 love. And for him to pull off that shot with that amount of hustle, it almost exemplifies what PCB has been for his entire career. Didn't give up on it, made something out of nothing, made Hercotch hit an extra ball, and then was able to counterpunch his way back to a 15 love lead, got the momentum back on his side squarely and was able to close was in it was insane to watch in real time was even more insane to see uh, in, in slow-mo in the highlight uh, Cece what does this say to you about the ATP right now when we're not always seeing Rafa R Roger and, and Novak playing in these events yeah, I mean, I think it's a testament to what we're going to see in the future. There's so much depth on the men's side. I actually think there is on the women's side as well. But, yeah, I mean, these guys aren't going to be around forever, the top three, four that we've been seeing forever. So I, I think it's, it's a good sign that we're seeing other guys come through at the end of their careers. Well, we will see Rafa in Cincinnati. We will be talking about that when TC Live continues. And also, of course, Serena Williams is playing in Cincy, a blockbuster first rounder taking on Emma Raducanu. It's one of those days that we already 
start the first round in Cincy when we wrap up Canada. Special Sunday here on TC Live. Don't go anywhere. The Walt Disney World Resort 50th Anniversary Celebration. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Serena's legacy has been hands down the best tennis career ever and to see how she's dominated through the last 20 years is really phenomenal because the game has obviously changed a couple of times and she's had so many different opponents who are all at really, really high levels and she just continued to dominate and I don't think you see that ever. Um, so it's been really, really incredible to watch, and it's really inspiring. You do not see that ever. Madison Keys knows what's up. Tennis Honor Series focusing on Serena Williams, who is in Cincinnati getting ready to play this week. She's got that blockbuster first-round match against reigning U.S. Open champ Emma Raducanu. Serena was the number one player in the world when Emma was born back in 2002. Williams will be playing her fourth match in the last 13 months. Take a look at the draw. Raducanu first, then it could be Vika Azarenka or Kaya Kanefi, perhaps. Jessica Pagula after that. Uh, Cece, back in 2015, you were a teenager playing Serena Williams for the very first time, kind of like Emma Raducanu is now, although you were much younger. What was it like going into that match? What were the emotions? Yeah, I mean, it was nerve-wracking for sure to play someone that you've been watching on TV your whole life. It's, it's not easy. I think Emma's going to you know, have kind of a tough time playing her just with the mental preparation that goes into something like that. But, you know, she's obviously done so well over the last couple of years, especially with the U.S. Open title under her belt. She's playing well this summer, has gotten a couple of good wins under her belt recently, too. So it'll be a good match. Andy, when you think about playing a draw where there's some big names right off the jump and then even getting into the second and third round, in your opinion, is that good for Serena or do you want to ease into Cincinnati? Well, these Masters 1000 events, I, I don't think there is an easing situation, especially when you've been off for a year. But uh, conversely with Emma Raducanu, it's, it's weird to think about the mentality. And I only thought of it when you asked Cece uh, about her reaction playing Serena. This might be good for Emma just mentally because this is going to be the first time in a long time where it's not about her. Right. More people are focused on Serena Williams and her retirement uh, right now. So that's the storyline first and foremost. Um, but listen, as far as Serena goes, I, we, we talked about this before. I like the matchup because she's going to come out and it's not someone who can bully uh, the ball against her movement. Raducanu doesn't really go after the first ball. She's not going to come out and just try to, you know, like Benchich did, take everything on the rise and make Serena uncomfortable as far as uh, pace of play. Um, so I actually think, uh, you know, in a silo, it's good for Serena, but going out and actually executing something is a different story. That being said, on top of probably just being the best of all time in general, 
Serena is definitely the best of all time with needing the fewest reps for the highest return, right? We've seen her, we've literally watched her play average first, second, third round of slams. And then by the time she gets to the semis and finals, she's in full flight. So she's good at navigating these circumstances. But listen, not playing for a year is not playing for a year. Cece, what do you think strategically is most important for Serena Williams in this match against Raducanu? Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be whether she's, you know, get the reps in and comfortable. I think in practice recently, you know, I think she looked a lot better in this last tournament than she did at Wimby, for sure. She was striking the ball a lot better, moving a lot better. She's building, and I think, you know, the end goal is to build for New York. So if she can get more reps in, get a couple wins under her belt here, she's going to be in, in a good position to play in New York. What did you learn from that match in 2015 against Serena? <laughs> Not much. It was, it was pretty quick. I, I don't remember a lot of it, just that uh, – <laughs> It was definitely um, one of the more nervous times that I've ever been uh, going into a match. And, and you can say that you went head-to-head -head with the GOAT. Yeah, a right? lot of people aren't going to be able to say that, unfortunately, coming up. So, yeah, definitely lucky. And on the men's side, Rafa Nadal missed Montreal, but he will be in Cincinnati, back in action for the first time since Wimbledon. Had to withdraw from the semifinals with a tear in his abdominal. Was scheduled to return in Canada, but was still feeling some discomfort while serving. Rafa will be playing in the Wednesday night session in Cincinnati. And the 2013 champ spoke about how he's feeling right now. Yeah, abdominal is a, is a place that... Uh... It's dangerous because in every serve you put a lot of effort there, so I need to take the things a little bit easier and do the things the proper way. That's what I am trying to do. Try to be a little bit more conservative, but I, I hope that I can be ready for the action here. He says the abdominal is dangerous. Andy, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, I think it is. I think he's right. And it's one of those spots along with hamstrings, groins, where you're kind of constantly worried about, about re-injuring it. Um, you know, props to Rafa's management for getting him into that Wednesday night time slot, <laughs> giving him as much time as possible to, to get ready and to get his practice reps in. But listen, you know, Rafa's serious when he arrives to a tournament almost a week in advance, right, to get used to the conditions in Cincinnati. I'm sure he's playing practice matches every day. So, uh, listen, Rafa's not at this point. He would not sacrifice uh, being healthy at the U.S. Open to play in Cincy if he didn't feel like he could go out and play a healthy match on Wednesday night. So I expect to see Rafa uh, – physically healthy now the game is a different story not having played since Wimbledon but I don't see him going out and playing a match in Cincinnati if he's not fully healthy uh he I don't think he would put the U.S. Open at risk if that was the case how concerned are you Cece about his health right now yeah I mean it's tough obviously he's getting into the later stages of his career too so just staying healthy and and maintaining his body is the biggest thing for him right now. His game's going to be able to show for it like we've seen this year. So I think just making sure he's healthy for the Open is going to be the biggest thing. Uh, Andy, we talked about Serena needing a few matches before the U.S. Open. Rafa's won a ton this year already. How many matches does he need to get his body and mind ready for a run at the U.S. Open? I don't think any because I, I do think there's a, a tail on what you've already done. Uh, for the year. So having a big showing, obviously, in Australia on the hard courts, uh, Indian Wells uh, with the victory and all the match wins uh, that he's had. I think two matches is fine. You know, if he gets into some some rallies and gets to hit some returns and get some match conditions, but that's not the way Rafa thinks. And also, he's going to want to go all the way. There is a week in between Cincinnati and, and the U.S. Open. That's plenty of time, no matter what happens in Cincinnati, to get your body right, to go to the U.S. Open, get used to the court. So I don't think he's in a desperate need for matches just based on all the winning that he's already done this year. By the way, Andy Roddick, more wins in Cincy 
than Rafa Nadal. Two titles for Roddick, 2003-2006. Rafa just won. Uh, a lot of big matches coming up in Cincinnati. It started today, but it continues tomorrow throughout the week. We got Serena, Raducanu. As you take a look at this list, Cece Bellis, which one stands out to you the most? Well, obviously, Serena and, and Emma is a huge one, but I think we've got a, a really nice All-American matchup here. Sophia Ken and Shelby Rogers, that's going to be an interesting one. I think, you know, all, all the matches here are pretty solid, though. I can't, it's tough to choose one. Yeah, for me, I'm actually, I'm going to go off the grid. We all know about Serena and Emma and all that. I'm actually looking at Matteo Berrettini, what he did on the grass going into Wimbledon and then kind of having to bow out with a positive COVID test. That sucked for him, frankly. And he's one of the guys that can actually get in, get in there and interrupt and potentially win a slam. We've already seen him in the finals of Wimbledon last year. I want to see what kind of form Berrettini's in. Well, the coverage, we've got it for you on Tennis Channel all week long. And when we come back, We've got the best of the best. That's right. And will it include Pablo Carino Busta and CeCe Bellis' greatest shot she's ever seen in her life? Don't go anywhere. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Andy, CC, Steve back on TC Live. Some qualifying scores from the Western and Southern Open today. Carolyn Garcia, who's had a spectacular year, having to qualify, gets through in three sets against Andrea Petkovic. Right now, Taylor Townsend on serve, 4-3 against the NCAA champ from Texas, Peyton Stearns. That match suspended right now because there is rain in Cincinnati. Bradley Klon, Stevie Johnson going out, but Marco Skirone, former NCAA champion, moving on 7-6-7-5 over Fabio Fonini. There were a couple first-round matches that started today, including Maxime Cressy at a career-high 31 in the world, taking on Botic van de Zanskop, CC. Oh, my gosh. I mean, what a blockbuster of a first-round qualifying match this is. Both players just insane form right now. Some of the best form on tour, these two guys, with match wins. And uh, van de Zanskop, of course, taking that first set. But Cressy coming back and firing in the second. Of course, in the third, it's been suspended by rain. But Cressy is, uh, is really coming out with that serve and volley. And it's so tough to play someone like that, that plays so different than other guys on tour. So uh, credit to van de Zanskop for, for getting up in this third set. Got 3-1 right now. It is in a delay because of that weather, but when it resumes, you can watch that on TC Plus. Go to buytcplus.com. This is one of two first-round matches in Cincinnati today, and this is what we saw before TC Live. Back to Toronto, Andy. The doubles final for the ladies. Coco Goff, Jesse Pagula. Coco with a win gets to number one in the world, taking on Ellen Perez and Nicole Melikar. I just like that they both walk out with headphones while having a conversation with each other. That's that, that's an interesting uh, strategy there. But didn't bother their games at all. I, I, I'm surprised they didn't put them all in the switchover. Golf and Pagula taking the first set there. But Melissa Perez hung in tough, grunted loudly from the baseline, and really 
that's a beautiful shot up the line. Thought Pagula maybe cheating towards the middle a little bit, maybe getting a little too close to that net, but kept it alive. That's a stick return right there through the middle. That's, I think we call that a 7-10 split in bowling. And on to the match tiebreak. Pukulov, I love seeing her stick the forehands uh, in these doubles matches. I, in this one, is a joke. They didn't, they're supposed to communicate. They're supposed to talk to each other. Steve, mine, yours. But instead, they just kind of looked at each other. But right here, you see the moment of elation from Pogogoff realizing the number one doubles player in the world hugs her good friend, Jesse Pagula. Well done on the title and on to Cincinnati. On to Cincinnati, just like Bill Belichick. And she does it as the number one doubles player in the world. Jesse Pagula moves into the top 10 in doubles for the first. So she's the only American top 10 singles and doubles right now. Got to give some props to Jessica Pagula. Jess Pagula is having one of the best years on tour for sure. And this is, comes as no surprise to me that she's doing this well in doubles too. What a pair these two are. Two of the most informed players in singles and now in doubles as well. Unbelievable accomplishment from both players. Two of the nicest people, two of the best players in the world right now. Congratulations to them. What's trending on social media? Well, Sloane Stevens is already in Cincinnati, and she got a photo with, quote, her bestie, Rafa Nadal. I, I didn't know they were BFF, Andy. Yeah, you know, you know, it's it's weird because you get to a certain level in tennis and like we're kind of around other tennis players. It's not too impressive. They just do what you do. But then you get to the level of Rafa where you have Grand Slam champions wanting to take selfies with you. I remember coming up and I, I could never actually go. I, I had a hard time having a conversation if Peter Andre were in the room. It's just cool. And you always know that Rafa's going to be there with a smile for his fellow players. I think this is cool. And actually, I think yesterday uh, Sloan Stephen was asking if someone could actually teach her Spanish. So maybe she's just making progress towards that. I don't know. That's so funny. Yeah, it's it's insane once you get to the level that Rafa's gotten to that other players are actually starstruck by you when you walk by them, even at pro tournaments. So it's it's just such a fun moment that uh, that Sloan's kind of fangirling here. I love it. By the way, Jenny Brady commented on this saying, that ain't me with a question face emoji. She, she thought she was Sloan's best friend. Apparently it's Rafa at all trumping Jenny. Sorry. Uh, and then we've got some really fun video here. This is from earlier in the week. And we've breaking down courts five and nine. So we've got Robert Farah, Juan Sebastian Cabal playing doubles on court five. Cabal slams the ball. It goes over the back wall to court nine. That's where Diego Schwartzman and Albert Ramos Vignolas are playing. Causes a let. So Andy, then they throw the back, the ball back onto court five, and that causes a let once again, and they, and they forget that it's their ball, and then they're throwing it back to court nine. I mean, what's going on here? I don't know. This reminds me of the Austin Power scene where he's, like, reversing and trying to get out, but he's stuck between two walls, like, this far apart. This is just a, 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 a comedy of errors. I, I, it's amazing they actually got through the matches, and they did, we're not just still there watching Let's. Oh my gosh, this is insane. Yeah, I'm just glad they finally figured it out in the end. I've never seen anything like this, honestly, at a pro tournament ever. So well done for the ball kids to finally figure this out. I think the, the umpire, Moleani, came down and was like, listen, we're just going to take this ball out of play. We're, we're, not, we're not sending it, it just back keeps and forth. going back. Yeah, I mean, just causing delay after delay after delay. And the only is there another place that has a setup like this where you've seen this? I'm sure there is, but, but what came to my mind, the only difference. Uh, was that Mo Leani would have said what you just said, but like in a like in a baritone. You guys, we got to figure this out. Like, I always wonder how referees talk like when they order dinner. Does Mo Leani go to like Carabas in Cincinnati? He's like, I would like, like, or does he just order like a normal human? <laughs> Between him and Cater Nooney, I mean, though, though you got some baritones there, right? I mean, next level. <laughs> they, they could be doing some opera. 
Uh, speaking of which, much more to come, including what you've been waiting for. The best of the best from the week that was in the great north. The greatest shots. Don't go anywhere. Roddick Bellis Weissman back on TC Live as we are going to count down the best five shots of the week in Toronto and Montreal with Andy and CeCe. We start at number five. Andy's got the odds. CeCe's got the evens. It's Gael Monfils and Maxime Cressy, Andy Roddick. Yeah, of course Monfils is here. He gets more play on this than I do at a breakfast with Faye Steven. Look at this slide up the line. And apparently he likes to play through a crowd, but look at this. He can cover the entire court in like six steps. We've been seeing it forever, and I'd like to see it more. At number four, CC, Serena Williams and Nuria Parizas Diaz. This rally lasted 19 shots. Yeah, we're really only seeing a few shots in this highlight here, but unbelievable fitness and movement from Serena to end up staying in this point and hitting this unbelievable forehand cross court to finish it off. It's not done yet. She's still running. This is the craziest point ever, but yeah, she ends up with this with this unbelievable forehand winner. Her first and only win thus far of the season showed some really good form there, and we will see Serena this week in Cincinnati. Number three, Andy, Carlos Alcaraz and Tommy Paul. I mean, this entire exchange is insane. It's fast, it's electric, and you don't often see Alcaraz on the wrong side of these points, but Tommy Paul had other ideas. This match was awesome. Curious to see if Alcaraz rebounds in Cincinnati, gives us more points like this, just with a different result. I, th I thought this was point of the week when I saw it, and then even better stuff came out. <laughs> At number two, CeCe, we've got Nick Kyrgios and Sebastian Baez. This was a first-round match as we continue to watch the great athleticism of one Tommy Paul. And everybody thought that Nick Kyrgios with a tweener would be the shot of the week. But how about Baez going tweener lob? Oh my gosh, this is insane. I mean, you know when you get a Kyrgios match, you're going to see some highlights like this. But this time his opponent, Baez, was able to come out with a, a front-facing tweener. Usually we see the, the back-facing tweener. So this was a, a super athletic and, and awesome play. He out Kyrgios, Kyrgios. Sebastian Baez, by the way, youngster from Argentina, up and coming. You see all the shot making it. Number one, Andy, doubles action. Neil Skupski, check this out. But where is the guy in the back and why isn't he covering the line, Steve? I know this is an amazing shot, but what are we doing here? Okay, your partner is going with, you gotta cover that line. Nowhere to be seen. It was like Taco Bell open 24 seven. Heck of a shot from Skupski, but someone cover the line that says doubles. <laughs> Like the kettle in Manhattan Beach, it is always open. And that breakfast buffet, uh, it, it's a good thing, Andy. What's your what's your favorite thing on the breakfast buffet? I had a little eggs Benedict this morning, Steve, mm. a little grits. Uh, we do that sometimes down here in North Carolina, but uh, I'm equal opportunity eater. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Cece, did we miss, though, the best shot of all time, and, and, and especially this week? Oh, I'm so mad. <laughs> we, we definitely missed it. I think, I think this one was definitely should have been in that top five. I don't know if it was just too late in the day. This is obviously from the final, but I was losing it when I saw this live. It was... Uh, just wild the athleticism from Pereña Busta to, to hit that uh, return off of an unbelievable lob, come in and then finish with a backhand overhead. <laughs> I mean, her catch was just so mad after that point because he couldn't believe it himself. One, you never see her catch get mad like that, Andy. And two, you mentioned earlier, I mean, 
the situation when he hits this shot is massive. Yeah, up a break in the third set of a Masters 1000, trying to close it for the first time, taking a ball that's behind your head, flipping it, getting some angle on it as well, making Hercotch kind of dance around because he couldn't really read it, then ending with this, and you see Hercotch goes, get out of here, man. Come on, but you know what that was, Steve? That was peak CB. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Cece, for those at home that are like, oh, you know, backhand, overhead volley, whatever, how tough no. is that shot? It's so tough. It's one of the toughest shots in tennis for him to, to pull it out of that moment, like Andy said. It's just out of control. I think Hercatch was so mad after that point, but I think he was more just in disbelief. <laughs> like, how can this guy come up with this in this point of a match? It was insane. But now he's a part of the greatest point in tennis yeah, history, so exactly. he'll never lose that. <laughs> uh, Andy, we make one of these really quick transitions from a Masters 1000 to another one, Canada to Cincinnati. How did you find this transition? How did it compare to, say, like Indian Wells, Miami? Is it tougher, easier? Uh, probably tougher. Indian Wells, Miami, there's space between matches, right? You play a 10, 11-day event. You normally have three or four days off if you go the distance in those tournaments. Uh, I, in, in 2010, I made the finals of Indian Wells, won Miami in 03. I, I ran these out back-to-back, -back, but it's almost like you're in such a groove that you're not really thinking. And the big thing, if you put up a big result in, in, uh, in Canada – you want to win that first match, and then you feel like the wheels are turning again. But it's a quick turnaround. Uh, it, it's brutal for the players, uh, but at least the top guys have a first-round bye these days. That wasn't always the case. So a uh, little bit of an easier turnaround. But I'm thinking about the people who actually didn't make the long runs. Can the, can Medvedev run deep in these tournaments? You know this is his time of year. Is Serena Williams going to get through Raducanu? Uh, is, is Kyrgios going to come to play again? Uh, you know, so is Rafa Nadal, is he going to show us that he's healthy? And can he make a move in Cincy and get those matches? So less concerned about the turnaround, more concerned about the people that are actually trying to get matches under their belt. What about you, Cece? What are you most looking forward to this next week coming up? Yeah, I think pretty similar. Excited to see how the players that went deep in Canada kind of turn around and see how they can physically handle, you know, such a such a tight timeline between two matches. But, yeah, also, also the people that need the matches before New York that haven't had a great um, hard court season coming up to this. I think it's going to be important for them to get some matches under their belt to really head into New York feeling confident. So, yeah. Looking, looking forward to both of those. All right, a lot coming up this week. We've got your coverage all week long from Cincinnati. We will be on site there as well. Cece, you're going to be coming back here the week after to work yep. on TC Live as well. Mm -hmm. I am excited, Steve. Super yeah. excited. Can, cannot wait for that. And uh, Andy, when are you back with us? Steve, I don't know. I just show up when I'm asked, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm ready for you anytime, though. We talked about Taco Bell earlier. You're my Taco Bell, Steve. I'm here for you anytime, anytime you ask. You're my KFC because we're always together. You always see the Taco Bells with the KFCs, right? It's under the same roof. Love you, Andy Roddick. I don't, don't want to do it without you. <laughs> what a week we had in Canada. Simona Halep getting a big-time title there at the National Bank Open. And, of course, Pablo Carina Busta as well. For Andy Roddick and CeCe Bellis and our entire team, I'm Steve Wiseman. Coco Golf, the number one doubles player in the world. Thanks for watching TC Live.